whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Hello and welcome to Night of the Frommest. Dun, dun, dun. The potpourri show where we potpourri go all over the place. There's no set topic. Um, feeling pretty darn not nostalgic. Reflective is the word. Reflective. It's a very reflective time. I, I still can't believe that it's been two years, two years tomorrow, actually, that we that that I started broadcasting live. And like it, it's literally I don't want to say it's changed. Just something that I do so often and so frequently, it's like surreal to think that there was a time where this wasn't the, the norm, I guess. Maybe that's the right way to put it. I don't know. Uh Try not to say uh so much. I say uh and um, and I smack my lips. Those are three things I have to work on still when doing this stuff. Why isn't this pinning? Trying to pin something and don't pin. Need things to pin? You got to pin them. So we've got a variety of things tonight. Tune in tomorrow. First of all, let's get a couple housekeeping things out of the way. Tomorrow, we have a big, the big anniversary show, two-year anniversary show. We're taking a look at the second half of Teenagers from Mars, okay? The the book by, by Frank White and Ken Kayafa. Why won't this friggin' work? This won't, it's not sticking. I don't like that at all. All right, it's being weird. What can I do? How can I? I can't fix that. It's, oh, God, that is annoying to me so you have ballad in the house ballad how are you ballad liked x um you're not okay so here's the thing i liked x too and i love we all know how much i love jenna ortega i loved loved seeing her in x i enjoyed x i enjoyed what it was trying to do however it didn't quite deliver where i felt it should have delivered i I was expecting more than maybe what we got and that's okay. You know, um, I was entertained all the way through. There were parts where I was, you know, I was fully engaged all the way through. I was entertained. I just wish that it went, I don't know. I was expecting some sort of subversion or, you know, some sort of red herring or some sort of twist. And we never got the twist. That's, that's my one issue with X. I highly recommend go out and see it. Support Ty West, you know, great filmmaker. First time he's made a movie in a while. So, you know, I'm very happy for him and whatnot. But, yeah. Just think, eh, eh. What's up, Lynn? Lynn is saying hello from New Orleans. Well, hello, Lynn. Let's see if I can make this work now. No, it's not working. Okay. It's just, you know what it is? It's um, YouTube's just giving me lots of problems today that I just don't need in my life. Actually, I can do it from here, so I don't have to worry about it. That's what I'll do. That is what I'll do. Where where was I? You know, I was trying to find the first broadcast, and I realized I had actually been going live. That was the first time I had gone live on the, 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 the Lodi page, but the reality is I had been going live for quite a while before that. What I was doing, I was doing this really, really weird thing. I was watching movies. I was doing these double features in the basement and then streaming them to Facebook, but I was doing it on my personal page and it was just, <laughs> it's really weird, man. I, I was like, 
I don't think anybody in the history of the world has ever watched Grease 2 and The Greasy Strangler at the same time. So that's what I did. I watched both of those movies simultaneously on two separate TVs. I watched from dusk till two years ago tonight. I watched from dusk till dawn and Mrs. Doubtfire at the exact same time. If you could. <laughs> Why? Why would I do that? Why? I don't know. Because I'm a weirdo. Because I'm just a freaking weirdo, dude. That's why. That's why I did that. I, 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 I don't know. Ballad says, I can understand that fully. I had a great theater experience. Went by myself for the first time alone in the theater of my life. First time. Maybe Pearl will deliver for you. Yes, I heard about Pearl. I'm excited for Pearl. I will check that out. Um, and congratulations on going to the movie theaters by yourself. For the first time, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience to go see a movie alone. I go to most movies by myself. For me, it's a very sort of it's an experience of solitude um, and one that I thoroughly enjoy. That's not to say I don't enjoy going with other people. But, you know, for me, it is sort of like it is church, man. It is church. It's um, and it's just something that I prefer to do alone. You know, um, because people don't, most people, include my wife included, they don't like watching what I like to watch. It, it just makes things easier. I have the season pass, the Alamo season pass. I could see one movie a day, every single day um, for 20 bucks a month. It's a phenomenal deal. Pays for itself, especially one of the things I used to do pre-C19, uh, pre, uh, pre I used to do it all the time, all the friggin' time. I loved it. I, sometimes I'd go four or five times. A month, I would go that often. So why is this giving me so much trouble? I'm having so many technical difficulties tonight, far more than usual. I don't appreciate it, computer, computer Dora. Lynn says, what do you think of Jane's addiction movie, The Gift? I am never, I, you know, I'm not a big Jane's addiction fan, not because I don't like them, just not never really been my thing. I don't know what The Gift is. I, I didn't know that they made a movie. Perry Farrell made that movie or Dave Navarro, I'm assuming. I don't I don't know. Not familiar. Um, what is the two year anniversary for? It's the it's like the two year anniversary of this channel becoming what it is now, because before that it wasn't. It was just, you know, I wasn't really focused on YouTube or live streaming or podcasting or whatever the hell this is. Whatever the hell this is that I do talking to people on the Internet through YouTube, I that was not me at all. And now I've sort of tried to focus. It was like, you know, I was always like posting like hot takes and ideas and things on uh, personal private pages and realizing like, why am I wasting all this stuff? Let me like I should be putting this out in some way, shape or form whether people want to see it or not. And that's kind of like what the beginning of this, this channel, the, the rebirth of this channel, I guess, is what I mean to say. This is the rebirth of this channel was two years ago. However, let's take a look. The first thing I want to do tonight is I want to take a look where I was two years ago and what the type of streaming I was doing back then. You're a weirdo, Jeff, but you're our weirdo. Thanks, Ballad. I appreciate, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I am. That is exactly what I am. I am a, a weirdo that I'm, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I love a ballad also says, I love the peaceful element of it. I have not been that relaxed in a while, but I also love seeing it with others and having the first reaction convo. Yes, that is something that is missing when you go solo. The first reaction convo on the way out. And yes, I might get that subscription. You totally should. If you have an Alamo draft house near you, it is uh, very affordable if you like to go to the movies a lot. And, you know, again, uh, 20 bucks a month. You can't go wrong. Uh, if you if you're an avid moviegoer, that's you know you see a movie twice and you save, you save ten dollars roughly something like that. Um, it's great, it really is. Hey, what's going on, Winston? What do you mean when you say what else can I do? Uh, you know, every I've been trying to figure out like thematically for Night of the Frumus, which is just the show that is just a potpourri show. I just I, I just randomly write something that makes no sense and put it at the beginning. That might change as the show evolves, but I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's right. Back to back. Nice. I wasn't planning on going live. I've been doing a lot of work. I just been I've been working uh, on uh, Steve Zing's music video and um, I just did a bunch of work. I'm super burnt out and I figured I would do this because I've got a bunch of I've got a bunch of uh, small articles uh, dog-eared on my Chrome tab, and I want to get rid of them. And the way that I do that is when I do Night of the Fremis. So that's what I that's what I do. Robbie's in the house. Robbie asked, "Did you watch the new Foo Fighters movie?" I go back and forth whether I want to see it or not. I totally want to see it. I have not seen it yet. It's called Studio Six Six Six. It is playing at my Alamo Draft House. I have just not. I prioritized. I went to go see the Evil Dead. I went to go see X, and I went to go see the Batman. So I have not seen. Studio 666. I would like to see it in theater. If I don't end up seeing it in theater, it'll be okay. I'll, I'll be fine with that. Old. Um, Zach says, talking about movies, Dave Grohl's movie that's going to be coming out about some weird haunted house or something. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Studio 666. I think it is kind of like, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's a spoof. I think they're doing it pretty straight. And you know who else is in that? Jenna Ortega. She is in that movie too. Perry did, man. Check it, please. Okay, I'll check it out. Yes, exactly. This is, It was the initium of this channel. That's what it was. We're about to look at it right now. I prefer, Winston says he prefers to listen to records alone. Yeah, I feel like that's also a very sort of like solitary communal thing. What's up, Russ? How are you? Good evening. Uh, Zach says, I even heard Coors Beer might be like a phantom sponsor for the movie. That supposedly we're doing a Coors beer with holy water in it. What a spoof. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I mean, that's a good way to get your movie financed. What's going on, Mom? Mom says, hey, Jeff, Amy's back. Hey, Amy. Um, Amy is recuperating and recovering. Uh, Amy, I hope you're feeling better today than you were even yesterday. She, Amy wants to see Studio 666. Yeah. Okay. Where was I? two years ago we got through all the comments where was i two years ago i'm going to show you guys i just pulled this up this is really really funny so this is what i was doing i was down in this basement we had a different configuration i had two tvs going and i set up my phone and i did this weird thing like i said i was just streaming movies by myself downstairs in the basement this is so weird (laughs) this is so weird i wish i could get away with this on youtube i can't I can't, I have to make sure this is muted too, or else I'm getting into trouble. Yeah, it's muted. So this is what I would, this, these were the very first streams, you guys, that we were doing here, really. And as you can see, I just put the, the, the camera up behind me 
And that's me, um, you know, I'm probably doing some work. This is when I was still properly employed. I was I was working at the synagogue and the screen is, is backwards here. I'm checking the screen to see. I wish I could turn. Can I turn on the, the sound for just a little bit before we launch in? Ah, you know what? Better, better not. But hold on. We're not going to watch this. I'm just scrubbing through. Come on, you stupid thing. It's giving me so many problems. Uh, come on. Come on. I feel like John Hammond encouraging the, the Velociraptor hatchlings in Jurassic Park. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. This thing is being so stupid. It's being so stupid. Here, let's try this. Let's refresh it. Let's see what happens when we refresh it. So listen, I'm just telling you all, make sure you tune in tomorrow. No special surprise or anything. It's going to be another episode of Streaming Evil Live, which we haven't done in quite some time. But um, it's just, it's a significant show because like I said, it's an anniversary and it's, I, I'm just really happy that um, that this is still going on two years later, it has not fizzled out. You know, um, that makes me happy. Just, I like doing things that make me happy. This makes me happy. Doing this sort of stuff makes me happy. Oh, what is this? No, no, we don't want to see that. Is that an ad? Why is there an ad on my own thing? Super ah, ah, hey, hey, put the music down. Put the music down. What is going on? Let's mute this. I'm muting this right now. This is out of control. Who wants this? Going out. Going the way of the dodo, if you ask me. So annoying. Nobody asked for this. Well, nobody asked for from dust till dawn and uh <laughs> nobody asked for from dust till dawn and um uh mrs doubtfire at the same time either but i mean there you go here let's see if we can get some perfect sound perfect. we have some sound here perfect. here oh come on you perfect. stupid thing why isn't this working here we go let's see if we can hear anything can you guys hear that The secret movie, right? It was supposed to be a secret movie. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. The original video business media hat. This was before No Bunny had died. Ah, oh, man. So sad. So sad. Look at my camera in the corner right there. Black Magic Pocket Cinema camera. So you can see. Here, I'm going to fast forward this a little bit if it'll let me. Oh, come on. We're just going to have to move on. This is not working. Oh, look, I set up a light. Hot <laughs> movie trivia. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to commit. Look at my chip tooth. Uh, same was at the same time. I'll, I'll probably drop by. I'll try. I'll probably drop by. Yeah, yeah. I figured both. Both would be better. I don't know. You can't really. It's still kind of dark. A little too dark. Trying to get this all worked out no, here. It's not bad. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at it through the. Uh, yeah, Robbie. That's the button that you gave me. You could start a watch. 
Oh, come on. Forget it. It's just not even worth it. I don't know if it's the internet or what. And um, This is a terrible know, way I to just, start the show. I just think this is, you know, what else am I going to do? It's like fucking, you know, I've been, been in this house for five days. I'm going crazy. So this is Yeah, we just problem. started quarantine. So, all right, I'm going to introduce the movie. Welcome to the crypt, the basement crypt. Abode, where we will be so stupid. watching movie. That uh, I really like this movie a lot. I hope my video doesn't get flagged. I try, I'm trying to only stream older movies. I don't want to stream anything new. So I don't want to hurt any filmmakers. Uh, this movie was selected specifically because you know it's an old. Can you guys movie. hear that? It's over twenty years old. Um, it's a movie that, uh, uh, yeah, I just have a lot of love for this movie. Uh, blah 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 blah. blah. And uh, I first saw this movie when I was nine years old. Check this out. I was nine years old. It was 1995. No, 96. Okay, so I was like, I was like eight years old. It's like, like no, no. I can't do math at all. I was, I was ten years old. 1996. Um, friends, dad. My my tooth is capped, and my my chip. My I had the. I didn't have my tooth fix. We were in fifth grade. Uh, it's echoey, and we have no business watching this movie. I believe. What about now? This is my is that first rated R movie. Um, I always talk about Return of the Living Dead being like the the and and Night of the Living Dead being those watershed horror film moments for me. This is another one of those watershed. No moments. one in the history of the world uh, has ever also, watched think, From Dusk Till Dawn uh, and like, Mrs. Uh, Doubtfire at the same uh, time. Puberty moments, but like the moments where like you see something like very adult and like you know it's just like whoa this is very adult. Um, another one of those moments of seeing Rocky Horror also around that age, but that was all right. Jeff, thing. shut up already. Movie just movie get on with it. God, never stops movie, talking. Uh, is uh, all right, all right. We just, let's watch Ryan the movie already. Okay, no one was, wants to hear you talk. It was, um, it's kind of like the pre. Grindhouse, Grindhouse. Uh, so I think you know what, what that might mean. So let's, uh, let's Suspense will kill you. Blah, 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 blah. The movie is Mrs. Doubtfire. No, that's just playing in the background. Yeah, um, I know it's... I'm sorry, guys. I know it's Mrs. like... I'm going to turn it off in two with... seconds. Here. All right, we got a... Showtime. It's on Showtime. All right, it's muted. I think it's just there's too much there's too much going on on this computer, so I'm gonna have to cut this. <sighs> yeah, it's just not worth it, you guys. You know what I'll do if you are a <laughs> look. See, there's look, there's Mrs. Doubtfire, and there's freaking uh, there's from Dust Till Dawn playing at the exact same time. I watched two. I mean, what a what a ridiculous double feature! It's a double feature happening at the same time. So stupid. All right, enough of that. Enough of that. Um, let's let's move on here. Let's move on. We don't have all night. We we're gonna just roll through these 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 topics of things. Hold on one second. Just wanted to check to see something. Right. Oh, Ballad says I haven't seen Studio Six Six Six. Love Dave Grohl, but I hate that they use so much bad CGI. Just judging. Trailers. I don't watch trailers. Um, it's better that way. Just don't even watch trailers. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Mom says, "Thank you for streaming these past two years. It's giving me something to look forward to during these crazy times." Thank you, Mom, for watching for these past two years, and I really appreciate that. I don't know how long 
I will continue to do this. I'll do this for as long as people watch or as long as I can continue to make uh, or generate revenue in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, I, I love doing it. I, I don't know. I don't want to talk in in um, I don't want to talk. What's it called? Not in not in uh, in uh, in absolutes. I don't like to talk in absolutes. I like to take things a day at a time, a stream at a time, a stream at a time. Dave Grohl is indeed Robbie. I agree. Dave Grohl is the best Satan ever in Tenacious D. It's pretty great. Amy is feeling better. I'm glad to hear that. Amy is on the men. That's wonderful. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen. I didn't know Facebook does that playing playing ads and whatnot. So stupid. Yeah, I, I will say this. So right now and keep your eyes peeled for this show. I'm listening to every single Prince album in chronological order. Uh, I've never listened to Prince really apart from, you know, I've just started getting into Prince, but I started at the very beginning in 1977, I think it was. And I'm going to listen to every single album all the way through to 2021. And then I'm going to do a big show about Prince's music. So if you are a Prince fan, and so it's going to be really cool because it's like someone who's never listened to Prince really. So it's like my first impressions of Prince at the age of 36. Um, he, he, he is a fascinating cat, man. Uh, I'm sorry I never got to see him live, you know, truly. Um, yeah, I don't think Glenn Glenn Danzig's gonna pop up on this channel, but we love we love Uncle Glenn. Uh, and make sure to stick around for the uh, commercial break here. We have a new contest. Riot and I have a new contest. By the way, uh, Sharpie, I don't know if you're watching still. I got your email. Uh, I will get back to you tomorrow probably going to want to do that tomorrow what we were talking about so maybe or at least to start the announcements jody ramones in the house he's going to make it evil we already talked about this, this is with the stream um you gotta watch mrs doubtfire with american psycho playing it's like alice in wonderland with a dark side Ooh, i like that i like it i like that idea um Okay. So, all right. So here's the next, here's the next piece, guys. Here's the next piece. Check this out. This is super exciting. This is something I wanted to share with all of you guys. Who's a fan of George Romero? I'm a, I'm a big fan of George Romero. I love George Romero, big George Romero head. Uh, Amy, it is tomorrow is the two year anniversary. Amy tune in tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're going to have the big, mushy, gushy reflection tomorrow. Um, tonight is just uh, tonight is just um, uh, a run-of-the-mill night of the Frommish show. Good evening. Have you ever considered interviewing London May? He claims the urge exists. Yeah, I'd love to talk to London May. For sure, man. For sure. Definitely on the list of people I'd like to get a hold of um, when the time is right. So here's the thing. I'm a big Romero fan. Talk about Night of the Living Dead. We watch Night of the Living Dead on the channel. Another film that that George Romero made that is not often talked about, uh, a film called Martin. He made it in 1976 with his producing partner, Richard Rubenstein, who he would go on to make Dawn of the Dead and Creepshow and Day of the Dead and Night Riders. He made all these movies with him. They did L'Oreal Entertainment. And uh, they had a very, very, very fruitful, successful uh, director-producer relationship. In any case, one of the legendary lost treasures of George Romero's archive catalog, whatever you want to say it, is the black and white director's cut of Martin. Martin is about a kid 
who thinks he's a vampire. And you've seen the guy who plays Martin. He's in Dawn of the Dead. He's in Day of the Dead. He plays one of the scientists in Day of the Dead. He's in Night Riders. He's in Creep Shows and a bunch of movies. But he stars in Martin as the title character, Martin. Uh, this is one of Glenn Danzig's favorite George Romero films as well. And the thing about Martin is he's eight, claims to be 88 years old. He doesn't have any fangs, and he drinks your blood with a razor blade. You might have heard of the Transfiguration, which came out some years back, totally ripping off Martin. Martin was the is the the the, the be all end all of the vampire the de- deconstruction of the vampire, and it's a phenomenal phenomenal film. And in any case, there is a three I think it's three hour or three and a half hour director's cut. It was just this. This was a thing of legends, man. This was a thing of legends. It was like, you know, finding this is like finding London after midnight, which is a very famous lost movie. Nosferatu was a lost movie for a while. Um, so the fact that so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Check this out. In late fall of 1979, a friend who is an attorney of law gave me the film Martin as a gift. After previewing the film, I placed it in storage and quite frankly forgot about its existence. Now realizing that there are a great number of individuals who are interested in George Romero's work, I've decided to make this film available. This is the owner of the 16 millimeter black and white three canister films. Um, It's on 16 millimeter. And like I said, it's three and a half hours long. This director's cut of some three and a half hours in length was always Romero's preferred vision of Martin. The the actual cut of Martin is about uh, 85 to 90 minutes. This is pretty insane. Like we never thought we would see this. We never thought that this would ever surface. It was supposedly lost to time. It did not exist. And now here it is. He says, I'm releasing all three 16 millimeter canisters for sale until April 10th, 20." 22 if the films are not sold by april 10th 2022 i am placing the films with julian's auction for a summer auction the films are sold as is owner conveys no right of copyright because whoever buys this wouldn't own the copyright to the film they would just own a copy of the film uh the owner conveys no right of copyright with the purchase of these films owner only conveys possession of the films if you are interested in purchasing the films please click on the contact link below and fill out your information my representative will be in touch with you serious inquiries only i could only imagine how much money i mean this thing is priceless it's a priceless is the only known copy in existence a lost cut that we thought did not exist or did not currently exist in some sort of physical physicality and now here, here it is. So excited. So excited. Zach says he's seen Prince playing on the softball field in East St. Louis on one summer night. That's pretty cool. How much do I think, Robbie asked, how much do I think it will go for? I, I mean, it could be for any number, man. I, I, I'm, I'm out of, off the top of my head, $30,000 easily. I mean, this thing is, this is like, okay. This is like a Teenagers from Mars acetate single, okay? That's how rare, valuable, and priceless it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, Jody says that's sick. Yeah, dude, it really is. And I hope that, I hope, you know, currently Second Side is working on the definitive release of, of Martin right now. They did that Dawn of the Dead box set. 
if you go to if you look on my channel you can see me doing the unboxing of that dawn of the dead box set it is not yeah man i hope it's digitized as well that's assuming that it's it's in a working condition it might be it might be eaten away it might not play i mean it's going to probably need some sort of restoration but the fact that it, it it's intact and it exists in some form makes me really really hope that really 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 hope that 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 we will see it you know amy says rip george a. romero visiting the Ron, Ron Monroeville mall was so incredibly awesome. I got a tour. So also on this channel is me. We, we, we've previously looked at the video of me at the night of living dead cemetery. We also, I also went to visit the Monroeville mall and I got a tour from one of the greatest dawn of the dead historians, my friend, Bob O'Rourke, who I met at a Danzig show at the Congress theater along. That's when I met Charlie Fitz too. You know, the guy who does all the, the figurines, uh, House of Wolfman. The three of us met backstage at a Danzig show, 2008. I, I bumped into him at, at, in Monroeville, and he took me on on a tour and really, really showed me the in and outs of the mall. It was really cool. He knew all the stuff, and he's like, "Oh, this is original. This is where they did this. This is where they did this." It was really, really great. Really, really fun. And that's also on this channel if you want to take a look. Uh, Zach said Ed would put out his last movie was about 23 minutes short black and white about yeah oh you're talking about um ed wood yeah ed wood that's right so yeah like i said i hope this this does um this this is made available to the public really really cool let's move on you guys let's move on there is only a finite amount of time how are we doing it's, a, it's 11 o'clock here okay so we previously talked about we the on one of these episodes we talked about aliens we talked about life on other planets does it exist does it not exist and i saw this and i thought that we should follow up on that because we had talked about it previously so real quick this is from vice motherboard and vice is sort of you know vice is dicey right like i don't really you know not my favorite not my favorite thing in the world why is this not popping up come on there it is. This is from Vice Motherboard. Harvard's top astronomer, so it's Harvard, Harvard College, one of the you know pres prestigious Ivy League schools in our country. Harvard's top astronomer believes aliens tried to contact us in 2017. Before you say, whoa, what? That's stupid. How is that possible? Uh, it actually kind I mean, the way that he he sort of poses it. It, it does. Let's just put it this way. It does capture the imagination. What he says in his new book, Dr. Avi Loeb argues that I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Amamuma, which passed by the earth in 2017. I remember when this happened. I remember people were astounded by the object. Uh, he says that it wasn't a comet, but rather alien technology. Look at this thing. Look at this. It's just a long sort of thin, flat rock flying through space you may remember in 2017 when a bizarre blunt shaped object came whizzing our way in space it measured approximately half a mile in length and it was moving at an irregular pace getting alien watchers excited the vast majority of scientists who have studied the object have said that it was a natural phenomenon but the head 
of Harvard's astronomy department just published a book in which he says he believes that the giant object was, in fact, alien in origin. In his book, Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth, Dr. Avi Loeb lays out in 240 pages exactly why he believes the object from 2017 was an intergalactic attempt to contact Earth. I'm not going to go into what we talked about previously about whether life does exist or does not exist on other planets. It's, It's too much to explain, but it's just interesting. One of the things we did talk about is... If, if there is intelligent life, has it contacted us? And that's why I'm bringing up the article now. The most exciting aspect of possibility is that the object is weird and unlike any asteroid or comet that we have seen before, is that it might be a product of alien technology. Loeb told Motherboard in an email, if so, we might not be the sharpest cookie in the jar or the smartest kid on the block. We should search for additional interstellar objects to find out. Now, this could be a a scientist dude who's writing about something that he loves and, you know, using this using this for publicity. Right. So I don't know. Who knows what to believe? In 2019, researchers at the University of Maryland published a paper in Nature Astronomy concluding that the giant space blunt was bizarre because of its color. The fact that didn't have a comic like propulsion, like a tail. And the fact that it didn't give off gases the way a comet would be expected to. But they also said it was unlikely to be alien in nature. The object, the object having some unusual properties is by no means sufficient evidence to conclude that it must be aliens. Matt, Matthew Knight, co-author of the paper, told Motherboard at the time, adding, as a scientist, I'm trained not to think in absolutes. This I love. I love this notion. We should never, ever think in absolutes. Um, So I can't say with 100% confidence that it wasn't aliens. Knight hypothesized that the object was planetismal, meaning that it could be a building block of a planet. Loeb, on the other hand, hand, said he doesn't want to jump to conclusions and fill loopholes with assumptions. He argues in his book that this type of thinking is ignorant and we should consider all possibilities, especially because he says humans are not the smartest ones out there. I agree. I agree with that. Most of the mainstream astronomy community continued with business as usual and ignored the object's anomalies, Loeb said. Some mainstream astronomers tried to explain the anomalies but needed to invoke objects that were never seen before, like a hydrogen iceberg or a dust bunny. They are not likely to survive the long interstellar journey. I wonder if that's because they slowly, like, Debris falls off as it's traveling at high speeds. Exactly what the object is unknown, but the professor is certain it is an object from a distant alien civilization. NASA can confirm it came from another solar system, accelerated in a non-comic-like way through space, and that the astronomers have never seen a natural object with such extreme proportions in the solar system before. I mean, those are very good those are those are great observations that would lead you to believe that it could be alien origin. But again, is it enough? Is it enough concrete evidence? I have said previously, statistically, it, I think it's impossible for there not to be life elsewhere in the universe. Statistically, it, it would be crazy if we were the only life out there. I think that's insane. I think you'd be really, really foolish and glib and ignorant to think that we, we have to imagine that there are other place other other life out there as to their intelligence and advancement and whatnot who knows who who knows 
My point is, is that it's very difficult to explain the weird properties of the object with conventional natural processes. So studying objects of this type in the future will either educate us about an unusual natural source or about another civilization, Loeb said. Let's collect evidence and not rely on prejudice. Um, so that's that. Let's stop sharing that. That is over with. Real quick, let us talk about our sponsor here. We have riotstickers.com who did this beautiful banner. Uh, we're running a special promotion with right, right now with them. We're doing stickers, but very soon we're going to be doing a contest. And I think we're going to be announcing that contest tomorrow. And it's, it's going to be really fun. And I got to take a look at the email that I got. But in the meantime, go in the description below for a link to our special promotional page. Using the promo code FROMUS, you can buy... 53-inch by 3-inch stickers at 50% off. So that's $29.50 instead of $59. That is a fantastic deal. You're not going to find it anywhere else but riotstickers.com. Let's watch the 60-second video from the guy from Less Than Jake. We are the bomb. Okay, moving right along. We're we're still in outer space territory. Let's talk about a galaxy uh, far, far away, a long, long time ago. Here is an interesting article. I bookmarked this as we, we're getting the new Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. I don't know if anybody watches Star Wars stuff. Of course, I do. I love, love me some Star Wars. Hello, AA. Welcome to the broadcast. Stand up. Wants me to smoke that shiz. No thanks. I don't smoke. And Robbie thinks that the um that the blunt, the space blunt came from Remulac. Okay. All all things are possible. All things are possible. But right now we're talking about a galaxy far, far away, a long, long time ago. And we we have that new Obi-Wan Kenobi show coming. And we have Uncle Owen. We have to talk about Uncle Owen real quick this is important this thing would ever load here we go this presents a very interesting question did uncle owen know that anakin was darth vader with uncle owen's return to disney plus's obi-wan kenobi series it raises questions as to how much owen really knew about anakin's truth to the dark side now the problem with all of these shows by the way i, I will watch them all i really enjoy all this stuff i really really enjoy this stuff but what I um, what I do think the, the the issue that I do have with these shows is that they sort of weaken the original films by adding all this stuff 
then you go back and you watch the original movies and you clearly don't see some of that stuff embedded in the original movies and it kind of makes the movies lack feel like they're lacking something do you know what i mean like this idea of you know the, the all the prequel films the way that you know then we're in episode four and we see we see obi-wan kenobi fight darth vader and he gets you know uh, absorbed into the force it doesn't really feel like the last time those dudes met was on Mustafar, where obi-wan kenobi cut off his legs and his arm you know what i'm saying or anakin's arm you don't feel that and that's because they wrote that backstory after they had already done that in Star Wars A New Hope. And so and so I, you know, that's the my one issue with this sort of stuff. With the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series, fans are excited to finally see what Obi-Wan has been up to in his 19 years of hiding. And actor Hayden Christensen is also returning to the role of Darth Vader. That does make me very excited. Which, uh, with the show promising the rematch of the century, so they're uh, they're ignoring what happens in A New Hope. They're going to have them face off before that, and technically, there's nothing in the dialogue that that shows that they couldn't. When we last met, you, I was the pew, I was the uh, I was the apprentice, and you were the master, or something. Um, that's in that's in the original Star Wars. However, his return is raising questions as to who knows Vader's true identity as it's unknown if the people closest to Luke had any idea. It appears that one of the more prominent characters of the show will be Uncle Owen, with actor Joel Egerton returning to the role once more. He was in Revenge of the Sith, and Joel is you know, a filmmaker and an actor in his own right and done a lot of stuff after his work on Star Wars, but it's cool to bring him back in that role. Judging by his opinions of Obi-Wan in Star Wars New Hope, it's likely that they have a somewhat rocky relationship with Owen describing him as a crazy old man, referring to Obi-Wan Kenobi. While Owen understands that the reason for Obi-Wan's secret protection, while, while Owen understands the reason for Obi-Wan's secret protection, it's unclear if he knows about the fate of Anakin, who was his stepbrother. Uh, Owen and Baru Lars were seen in Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Oh, is that? I thought they were, yeah, and they're also in Revenge of the Sith as well. Uh, where they first meet Anakin in search for his mother. Owen reveals that they are stepbrothers, but Anakin pays little attention. It's quite possible that this is the only time Anakin met the Lars family, as he would soon be busy with the Clone Wars and returning to Tatooine only reminded him of his fa uh, failures. So, you know, it's it's possible. After the events of Order 66, that's where all the Jedi are terminated, right? Obi-Wan and Yoda realize that they need to hide Anakin's children. While they assume that Anakin is dead, there's the likelihood that Palpatine would want to hunt them down for being potential threats. Threats, Choosing to give Luke to his uncle and aunt, Obi-Wan also offers to watch over him for protection and to hide from the Empire. As Luke is given to Owen and Beru at the end of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, it is unclear just how much they knew of the situation. It is likely that Obi-Wan would have explained Order 66, especially since Owen is aware of the Inquisitors hunting Jedi. However, it is not known if Obi-Wan explained Anakin's fate right away. It's a safe bet that he lied about Anakin at first, saying that he died from Order 66. I mean, at the end of the day, does it really even matter? I guess. I don't know. I thought this was more of a big deal than it might be. It might not be a big deal at all. Who cares? 
uh, which is a better explanation than revealing that uh, revealing this sudden child on their doorstep had a mass murdering father. But with Obi-Wan's years of close protection, it's likely Owen caught on that there was more to the story. That's very true. Issue 15 of the Star Wars Marvel Comics, which is a great comic series, by the way. I read the Darth Vader. I read the first 16 issues of Darth Vader were pretty good. Uh, so they the, these comics reveal some insight into Obi-Wan and Owen's relationship. When Obi-Wan offers to train Luke, Owen snaps back. I'm not going to let you wrap that boy like you did his father. You brought him to me to protect, and that's what I'm going to do, protecting him from you. So that, I mean, that works. That works pretty well. And so clearly Owen holds a lot of resentment towards the Jedi, like likely viewing them as the order that took Anakin away from his mother and got him killed. When Obi-Wan mentions Anakin, Owen snaps back, you you got him killed. Haven't you murdered enough Skywalkers already, Kenobi? This is left rather ambiguous as to whether Owen knows Anakin's true fate. But that's what they do before they knew that Anakin was Darth Vader, which was written after the fact. Um, they were they were two separate people. And so like they were treated as two separate people, which brings to brings me to an interesting sort of point, uh, notion, if you will, in that when Darth Vader admits to Luke Skywalker that he is his dad, it's him acknowledging that he himself is Anakin for the first time probably in decades, whereas he's always said that Anakin is dead and I am Darth Vader, I'm this Sith guy, and that's it, you know? Um. Though it sounds like he thinks Anakin is dead, he could also be viewing it as Obi-Wan does, where he believes Anakin died when Darth Vader was created, which is sort of a cop out and, you, you know, lazy, lazy, retroactive storytelling on the Star Wars front. There's a hint that Owen knows Anakin was Darth Vader by the time of the New Hope. After Luke storms off with him family meal, Amperu says he's too he has too much of his father in him with Owen replying. That's what I'm afraid of. While again left vague, it's possible that Owen knew what became of Anakin's anger and was worried that Luke would share the same fate. Uh, while it's still left uncertain, and it won't be for long, hopefully Obi-Wan Kenobi can clear up this mystery. It's still unknown uh, when Obi-Wan found out about Anakin's survival, and hopefully the reveal will be seen in the show. Uh, man, that I, I can't wait. And whatever he does find out about Vader... <clears throat> It might be for the best that the Lars family know as little as possible. It wouldn't really matter because they all get turned into uh, burnt marshmallows, right? End of the day. Okay, that's it. That's it for that. Moving on. Moving forward. Back into some... So now we're going to jump over some movie, some cool movie stuff that's that's happening. This was interesting. So we all... We love... We love Return of the Living Dead on this channel. We talk about Return of the Living Dead all the friggin' times. As a matter of fact, we are... We are uh, on, on Monday. We're reading the final chapters of Return of the Living Dead, the novelization. I can't believe it's over already. You can you can hear we every week we've been doing two chapters, of the Return of the Living Dead novelization. And if you are a YouTube member or a Patreon subscriber, you have all of the chapters now, but the last few. Whereas if you are not, you are still two or three weeks behind. In any case, this is really cool. Tom Spina or Spina, depending on how you pronounce that designs is resort restoring a zombie puppet from the return of living dead. Not just any zombie pu puppet, but the half corpse that was created by a young uh, teenaged Tony Gardner. Tony Gardner 
is one of the who's who's in the business of special effects. He did the stuff, you know, all the special effects in the blob. I mean, so many movies. I just go to his IMDb. I got to meet him in 2019 at the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival. It was such an honor. I, I immediately knew who he was. He was shocked that 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 to be approached. He was like, what? Like, you know who I am? I was like, hell yeah, and I want to take a picture. And we did. He created that the half corpse. And I guess what's amazing, you know, most of the stuff, when it's created out of light, light, latex and whatnot, it doesn't survive. It deteriorates over time. Have you seen Hagrid, the puppet from Labyrinth? is still around but it looks i mean it's it's so it's it's disgusting looking go, go google a picture of it if you've never seen it uh in this case the half corpse survived look at this look at this that is the original half corpse as old as i am 36 years old that half actually it's older 37 it's 37 years old man isn't that crazy look at this thing and they're restoring it I'm I mean it makes me really happy man. Here, let's read what let's read what what there's some things here. The overall condition on arrival to our restoration studio was good, but very fragile and a bit unstable. Hmm. Uh uh Ricky Vitus patches the fragile foam latex zombie's skin. Come on, call her the half corpse. There she is. Look at her. Her eyes are still that pale blue. Many hours of stabilization and rebuilding would go into this restoration. Okay. There she is. Look at her. Look at her. Looking better than ever. Man, talk about a piece of, of memorabilia that I would like to own. I, that's something I would like to own. And they're doing, uh, they're painting up a tombstone, I guess. Oh, they're doing a Return of the Living Dead tombstone. A wonderful, creepy shot by in-studio photog Max Frey. Look at that. That is such a perfect, that is the perfect display for the half corpse with the rope tied down to the, the uh, mortician table. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Sam Martino airbrushed the pink back into the hair, which is actually Scuzz's blood. Look at her. I can't believe she is still intact. She has no business being in such good condition. The complete... The completed display immediately gives context to the incredible film prop puppet. I mean, that's history right there. Let's read a little bit more. The pain, the pain of being dead. One of the most memorable zombies in 1985's cult classic horror film, The Return of the Living Dead, was half a corpse that spoke and revealed once and for all why zombies eat brains. Spoiler alert. It makes the pain go away. The creepy and effective prop <clears throat> zombie puppet was made for the film by our friend Tony Gardner uh, from Alterian Inc. You can learn a bit more in this video where Tony talks about being the half corpse guy. Whoa, nice. We have a video that shows why oh, or that that shows that maybe we'll watch that afterwards. Many years later, the puppet came to our New York studio for restoration and proper display. The overall condition was good, but very fragile and a bit unstable. Most puppet most puppets are made to be as flexible as possible. Wonderful for wiggling around on set to create the illusion of life, but that flexibility works against the foam latex skins as they age. The foam becomes very brittle, and Patrick Louis began this restoration by strategically locking internal mechs so that the puppet would move less, thus making the foam less likely to break. 
Pat also began the process of stabilizing the foam and bringing some of the uh, and bridging some of the gaps, meaning the gaps, the tears in the in, in the foam and whatnot. Ricky Vitus uh, continued that work, filling in the gaps and re-sculpting any missing skin. Speaking of missing, Ricky also recreated a number of missing finger bones and fingernails as well. What followed was careful in-painting. This is where only the new patches were painted and all original skin and paint is left as untouched as possible. It's like restoring... It's like restoring classical artwork, like classic paintings, thousand-year-old frescas and whatnot. Our patches were blended and aged to match the original skin. The whole piece was generously sealed several times to help slow the hands of time and give the props foam latex skin some additional longevity. Our client suggested a display with the metal autopsy table from the film. We we suggested combining it with the film's iconic poster art, a graffiti tombstone. Samantha Martino sculpted the tombstone in rigid foam, uh, the way we create theme props. Melissa Ocampo gave the foam prop gravestone its faux, faux stone finish and distressed look. That's not easy to do. Sam airbrushed the graffiti style title onto the, the faux stone. Sam also airbrushed the pink back into the hair of Scuzz's blood, as we were mentioning. Uh, this was another request from our client. Over So some client who purchased this brought it to these guys and they restored it. Over time, the color had faded substantially and a little refreshed refresh at local TSD zombie beauty parlor did the trick. Uh, if you have an original TV or movie prop in need of respiration, uh, restoration or display, you can email or call today to discuss the project. And that's at um, that's at uh, TomSpinaDesigns.com. Let's see if we can watch this video real quick of Tony Tony the Gar- Gardener uh, talking about being the half-corpse guy. I don't know if it's going to work or not. We'll see. We are winding down here. All right, th- we, this may give us problems. This may not give us problems. There's William Stout, who we had on the channel. Check out his episode of Pizza Punk. We had William Stout on the show. Great honor. A great honor. Uh, just revere that dude in his production design work on this film. Here we go. We're going to try and watch this. We'll see if we can make it work. And if we can't, then we can't. But if we can, then we can. And if we can't, then we can't. But if we can, then we will. But if we can't, then we won't. But if we can, then we will. But only if we can. All right, let's let's try this out. Let's see what happens here. I'm gonna play this. My favorites is the half corpse, the woman who gets cut in half and then is strapped to a gurney, and then she begins to speak to the other characters in the film and tell them what it's like to be a revivified corpse. I designed it. It was built by Tony Gardner. Um, I had just finished Thriller. Was figuring I could walk away from school for a little while. Met Dan and he offered me the job doing this half corpse because the company that was building it for him uh, was having financial problems. It was coming up to the due date and they were and production wasn't seeing anything from them. So they started to get a little bit worried. So when Dan saw this picture of this basically this dead female that I was building with long blonde hair. Um, he just kind of went, oh, this is kind of along the lines of what I, I need. So I, I kind of sorry about the echo, the teeth guy and ended up being the half corpse guy. 
Very cool. You know, we can cut the blood ah, We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that part. Oh, come on. Come on. <sighs> okay. We're, we're winding down here, guys. Just a little bit longer. A little bit longer. So... We, another thing that we talk about often on the show is our, our good friend, Nicholas Cage. We love Nicholas Cage. Go check out our top 10 cage performances that I did with my friend Bob Rose of thundergrunt.com. That's on this channel. If you got two hours and some change to kill, because we never talk shortly on this channel, no matter how hard we try, we can't talk short on the channel. It just doesn't work out that way. In this case, Nicholas Cage, star of so many, many memes is still surprised to learn about caging, as am I. I did not know about this process. This is cool, though. The Internet's love of Nicolas Cage memes, memes, Nicolas Cage memes, is profound enough that even a famous actor who spends his days talking to his pet crow, hanging out with king cobras and eating mushrooms with his cat, with his cat can't avoid them. What an, what an eccentric guy. They are everywhere. The memes are, for better or more likely worse, as much a reason for Cage's current level of fame as his acting. And yet, despite this kind of saturation, Cage can still be surprised by the extent to which people uh, gain joy from making jokes based on him, as was the case when he was introduced to the practice of caging. What is caging? Shall we... Shall we take a look here? Let's see. Can you hear this, guys? When I was in middle school, I used to do a thing called caging, which is where you like take pictures and put them on people's lockers of you. Wow. Um, people hated it. I loved it. People wow. found it so strange. They were yeah. like, who did this? But it was yeah. amazing to come. Like, It was such a full circle moment because yeah. I've looked up to you for so long. Oh, thank you. Wow. Um, and working with you was like a dream. I mean, I, I, I remember similarly to you. Like, we really, I felt such a connection we're, to you. We're friends, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We had a friendship. Exactly. Do, so. I would love to hang out with Nicolas Cage. I wonder if you would ever cage Cage. Oh, you know, it would like be a dream. That would be cool, yeah. An honor. Nick, did you know about about caging? No. no. <laughs> you do understand this is enormously surreal for me. I, <laughs> I bet it is. I'm ready. I'm strong. I can do this. Somebody's, somebody's been caging you all over Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Is it a real fan? Or is it, is it, it happened at my school, too. Did it really? Am yes. I, is, is this a trip or am I, is this real? <laughs> There's a thing called caging? There's a thing called caging where okay. people put photos of you. Look at his leather pants. He's the coolest, man. Okay. Funnest okay. experience well, this is new. This is new for me. And it's happening on television on a couch in a room with <laughs> my colleagues and friends. And how is it making you feel? Well, it's, it's I'm going to have to look into it. It's tripping, <laughs> tripping. Fun, but tripping. Have you seen the, the, the caging that's happening in Austin right now since no, the festival started? I have not. You you can, there are articles about it already. Okay. People, somebody has been putting up posters wow. um, okay. all over town saying, have you seen Nick Cage? I need to tell him I'm his biggest fan. Look at his tattoo. I actually spoke to him uh, online not that long ago. I saw him. He, he, he was asking if I'd answer a question, and then I did answer a question. He was very nice, and he was interested in movies. And I said, look, I'll talk with anybody about movies because I love them so much. How the, dare he? <laughs> He's a big fan of movies. He is. Nicholas Cage. like the real version of Pedro's character, Javi. But he was nice. He was nice. He was cool. Crap in my style. He, was he wasn't a, a freak. He was very civilized and cool. <laughs> look at his jacket, dude. He's the coolest. Nicholas Cage is the coolest there ever was. During the, so, so he was promoting. There's this new movie called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. 
and Nicolas Cage plays a fictionalized version of himself, and we will definitely be talking about it on this channel. You better believe it. And um, I, I guess what we were seeing in that clip was that her his, his co-star, Lily Mosheen, explains that she used to practice caging in middle school. She would tape up photos of Cage on lockers, which she clarifies she did out of admiration for the actor. Uh, when Tom, when the director asked what it would be like to cage Cage, she said it would be an honor. So that's what we were just hearing in that video. And he, and then Cage goes, you know, you have, you understand how surreal this is for me. And I'm sure it is, man. I'm sure it is. He's just seems like the most interesting people. If I could have lunch, people have said, you know, that question, who could you, who would you have lunch with that? That's still living. That's like a, a fame, like somebody of note for me I, at the top of my list would be Nicholas Cage hands down along with like Kevin Smith. I think just be fantastic, interesting conversation. Uh, we wonder if Cage would still say the same if he got a chance to talk to one of those people responsible for other memes based on him, like, say, deep faking his mug into every possible movie. I didn't know about that. I will take a look at that another time. We're, we're not going to look at it now because there's no time. Hold on. Wait a minute. Is this what I think it is? Is this what I think it is? I got to check it out. Got to make it out like a trout. Okay. These maniacs will not stop until Nicolas Cage is in every movie. What? What does this mean? Deep learning. Hold on. All right. We got to go here real quick. I, we, I'm sorry. It's just this. This is a must. This is a must real quick. Look at this. Look at this. Holy moly. Deep learning technology, which lets you convincingly map deep fakes, which lets you convince, convincingly map someone's face onto the face of any performer in any film has some troubling consequences, of course, to say the least. But when someone sees an opportunity for abuse, others, while some see, see it as an opportunity for abuse, others see it as an opportunity for dumb, harmless fun centered around Hollywood's very own walking meme, Nicolas Cage. Earlier this year, we wrote about the per pervasiveness of these Nick Cage deep fakes, which insert the actor into a number of classic films we can all agree he should have been cast in. Since then, the Cage-centric fakery has continued to pile up thanks to the unfortunately named YouTuber Derpfakes. This latest mega mix may be their best work yet, uh, exhibiting what this technology can do when it mixes a little Nick Cage into Nick Cage with an extra side of Nick Cage. While the quality of each clip really depends on how much the original actor looks like Cage already, it's all pretty great. There's Nick Cage model. Okay, we're, you know what? Let's just look at it, man. Let's just look at it. Let's watch this real quick. It looks amazing. I got, we got to see this. It's two minutes long. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. But we can't have that. We, wait, wait, wait. All right. We can't well, look at Nick Cage there. Wow. Tyler Durden. Is that Tyler Durden, Nick Cage? Oh, that is creepy, man. I don't know what movie that is. That is creepy deepy, man. Oh, look. Oh, that's uh that's Rain Man. That's Rain Man. Nick Nick Cage Rain Man. That's amazing. Wow. Which one is this? It's Nick Cage in every single movie. Independence Day. 
Every Godfather, Nick Nick Cage Godfather, directed by his uncle Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola. Matrix, Nick Cage. Wow, that is weird. That is so weird. He would have been great in the Matrix. He could he could have played Neo. That would have worked. Look at him there. I, I will say that deep fake stuff is so weird. That that looked like Keanu. Keanu. Oh my lord. God, The Matrix is such a good movie. I just rewatched it for the first time in many, many years. Is that it? No, there's more. That that's um Vampire's Kiss. And that is what is that? I don't know. Nick Cage's face is too big. And <laughs> Nick Cage watching the bees from Wicker Man. The bees, not the bees, not the bees. I haven't seen that in a long time either. I'm trying to think of what that movie is. I don't know. Is that it? That's it. All right, we'll we'll check that out and we'll check out that channel later. We're not doing it now. Okay, we're down to the final article of the night. As we wrap this up, wrapping, rip wrapping it up. Okay, this is pretty cool. So we talk a lot about music and music business on the channel. That's been an ongoing, that's been an ongoing topic of discussion. And uh, Jack White is in the news because he's calling out, he calls out, calls on, sorry, he's not calling out, he's calling on major labels to build their own vinyl record plants. I think this is, man, this really could have been its own discussion, this one, because the reality is record labels are kind of useless right now for the most part, apart from like the clout and the prestige and, you know, uh, the ego trip that comes with getting signed to a label. They don't really do much for the artist in this day and age. Everything that an artist needs from a label, they can get themselves on the internet. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff, a lot of it has to do with money. A lot of it has to do with, with backing and money and, and, and whatnot. What's up, Angus? You don't worry. This, all of these broadcasts are, are archived forever on YouTube. So don't worry. It's here for you to watch if you, if you should choose, but what Jack White is suggesting is and he has a new open letter and video calling on major labels to build their own vinyl record pressing pressing plants because as you know, um, the demand for vinyl is so great right now. Vinyl has has come back in such a big bad way that many orders of 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 for vinyl are backed up by months, seven months, eight months. It could take upwards of a of a year to get something pressed up. So Jack White says, at least once a week without fail, someone will reach out asking me to help expedite their vinyl record manufacturing, writes White to begin his letter. It's a natural thought knowing that I own a pressing plant and have my own record label. If anyone could help, it's this guy. As the founder of Third Man Records, White has become one of the leading advocates for and producers of vinyl records. Over the years, several major artists, including Jay-Z and Dave Chappelle, have partnered with Third Man to press their rec- their releases on vinyl. Uh, but as White goes on to explain in today's letter, recently, recent supply chain issues and manufacturing bottlenecks. What's a bottleneck? 
it's when it's when it's basically it's a traffic jam is what a bottleneck is. It's when everything everything that's in the bottom of the bottle is trying to rush up through the neck of the bottle and the neck of the bottle is more narrower than the base of the bottle. That's what a bottleneck essentially is. So what he's saying is there's supply chain issues and you have manufacturing bottlenecks that have led to turnaround times currently leaning towards the length of a human pregnancy. I said seven months. He's, that's about nine months. In a world so contingent on being of the moment and timed just right, a single, an album, a tour, et cetera, he notes these timelines are the killers of momentum, soul, artistic expression, and far too often livelihoods. White continues to invest in his third man with new record presses and more employees. However, he adds the biggest, the bigger problems we now see require major solutions. Um, in this spirit, I turn to our collegial, collegial, I don't know what that word is, collegial big brothers in the music industry world, Sony universal and Warner and politely implore them to help alleviate this unfortunate backlog and start de dedicating resources to building pressing plants themselves, which is true. Suddenly, if you have a, a label that's pressing up your vinyl, there's a lot more reason to try and get a record deal. You know, uh, White strikes a similar tone in the companion video released today. Speaking from Detroit's pressing plant in Detroit, White says it's 2022 now and vinyl is no longer a fad. Vinyl records have exploded in the last decade and their demand is incredibly high. A small punk band can't get their record for eight to 10 months. Um, you can watch and read White's full video note before below. White's public plea came ahead of the release of his two new albums, Fear of the Dawn and Enter Heaven Alive, which will be released on April 8th and July 22nd, respectively. He'll support both albums by embarking on the Supply Chain Issues Tour. So he's, that's how he's raising awareness, I guess. And you can purchase tickets on Ticketmaster. I guess we should watch the statement, assuming there's no music in it. Let's see. Look at that. Lathe cutting. That's so cool. This is Third Man Pressing. Third Man Records pressing plant that I built and opened in 2017 using my wow. own money. It's 2022 now and it's no longer a fad. Vinyl records have exploded in the last decade. Love his blue hair. High. A small punk band can't get their record for eight to ten months. And I now ask the major labels, Warner Brothers, Universal, and Sony, to finally build your own pressing plants again. As the MC5 once said, you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. Hell yeah. That's, that was a really cool, quick message. It's, it's 47 seconds long. I love that. Wow, really cool. They used to have record plants. Yeah, man. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And like I said, it will be providing it will be providing um it will be providing value for artists. He says, I've doubled down and invested even in even more record presses, more employees throughout. Yeah, we already saw that part. 
There are people who will say this isn't good for third man, more demand than you can handle, to which I say, even though third man benefits in the short term, in the long term, it ultimately hurts everyone involved in the vinyl ecosystem, given the bottlenecks and delays. Something needs to be done. While the entirety of vinyl investment and framework in the past decade has originated from independent companies and investors, the bigger problems we now see require major solutions. In this spirit, I turn to our yeah, right. We already read that part across the globe there. Across the globe, there are a handful of new companies building both automated and manual vinyl presses. It's easier to purchase a vinyl press now than it has been in four decades. And with more auxiliary innovations and ancillary innovations. Let's look up that word, shall we? Got to look up things we don't know. Providing necessary support to the primary activities or, or, or operation of an organization. Uh, so with these innovators popping up every day, helping advance every facet of the industry, this isn't a difficult decision to make. It's a no-brainer. We're on the same team with the same goals. I truly believe that with good faith investment in the infrastructure that got us here, we can continue on this upward trajectory and the future inspire the world. Thank you, Jack White. Cool. That's cool. I like Jack White a lot. I love those later White Stripes records are phenomenal. I mean, all the White Stripes records are pretty good. And so, uh, interesting comment from No Voices says, if you Google Misfits 1977 set list, it says West End Avenue is a Stephen Schwartz cover. I guess we'll never know. I can assure you, as someone who's heard West End, I've listened to West End Avenue. It is not a Steven Schwartz cover because I've listened to the song and the lyrics and those are not the same lyrics. It's not the same song. It's not the same chorus. West End Avenue, West End Avenue, West End Avenue. It's not the same. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show tonight. We're, we're, we're getting out of here. Tune in tomorrow night. Join us tomorrow night for the big two-year anniversary show. It's going to be great. We're going to be doing some misfit stuff, the stuff we do best on this channel. As always, peace and hair grease. And do you know about the Patreon? Well, let me tell you. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make... A Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know, but I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk, and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now, I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers, and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support 
for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind the scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, I just wanna thank each and every one of you that comes to the channel, that watches all the shows, that leaves comments, that participates, that subscribes, that's really the most important thing. This is just trying to find a way to earn a living as an artist. And with that, thank you for my TED Talk. Join the Patreon, because we need you! 66 cents.